Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. You've heard the story, and you've, I'm sure you've been horrified by what happened, terrorism in, uh, in France. The state of emergency, which has been in force in France since 2015, by the way, that was when it was declared, and uh, I'm sure you remember that terrible day in Paris. That state of emergency is still in effect and has significantly affected the country's military ability to do its job. And we're going to be talking to Dr. Christian Luprecht in just a moment from Queen's University and the Royal Military College, international expert on terrorism. His most recent book is North American Strategic Defense in the 21st Century. But before I talk to, uh, to Christian Luprecht, I want you to listen. And listen, it's, it's in French, but listen to the voice, listen to the somber sound of the president of France, Monsieur Macron, as he talks about what happened in his country just a few days ago. Listen. Un de nos concitoyens, dont je ne dirai pas de manière officielle le nom ce soir, car notre procureur s'exprimera dans les prochaines heures et il lui appartient de dévoiler l'ensemble des identités comme des faits, et donc je ne parlerai pas des détails de ce qui s'est passé ce soir à Conflans. Mais un de nos concitoyens a été assassiné aujourd'hui parce qu'il enseignait, parce qu'il apprenait à des élèves la liberté d'expression, la liberté de croire et de ne pas croire. And there he's talking about the uh, teacher who was beheaded in France on the streets days after he... Uh did a presentation in class on uh, freedom of speech, freedom of expression, and he uh, he displayed caricatures of the Prophet Muhammad, which enraged um, many people and created uh, the situation where he was assassinated, and that's the president of France responding. So, Dr. Christian Luprecht is with us, Queen's University and Royal Military College, as I said, international expert on terrorism, and, Christian, you were in Paris in 2015 on that terrible day. Yeah, for the uh, Bataclan attacks. Um, uh, but I think the, if you put this in context, so France has really been in a heightened state of alert with the Plan Vigipérat, which is that counterterrorism plan, uh, since 1997. So this is really going on almost a quarter of a century um, of France having to contend uh, with uh, with this high level of alert, and I think this is partially what's reflected in President Macron's uh, um, in, in, in his intonation. Um, I think this somber sort of sense of that France, I think, has 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 been feeling under attack for over two decades, from before 9/11. Um, and uh, I think this soul searching within France. Um, why it is that France keeps on getting um, it keeps on getting hit, and that the targets uh, I mean often the targets of terrorism are sort of symbols of the state, overt symbols of the state, like people in uniform, uh, police officers, uh, military, not that that in any way ever justifies political violence, but I think um, it is uh, all the more savage when you see gratuitous violence uh, against teachers and against uh, and against citizens. Um, and I think so. So, in, in, in some ways, this is a uh, uh, it, it's a bit of a, uh, a shift um, in the tragedy that France has been experiencing for so long. Uh, when we communicated, you pointed out that uh, the French 
security forces are under tremendous strain, and they're not a- able to really do their duty, do their work internationally that they normally would. But there, you also wrote that there's a, a lesson for Canada here. What is that? Yeah, so I think there's a couple of dimensions here. One is the, the the challenge that you'll have seen that one of the reactions by the president was that they're going to deploy a thousand more members of the military um, into to keeping uh, um, um, schools, churches, and uh, and other institutions um, uh, trying to provide greater visibility. Um, I think that's mainly sort of a psychological effort, but. Uh, really since 2015 and since the heightened, very heightened state of, of alert, um, it's meant that uh, French security forces, including the military, have been deployed in such numbers that on the one hand, it's a huge drain on them, including a psychological drain. But it also means that we've lost France as one of the key and few allies in the Western Alliance that's really able to project force outside of its borders. Because, of course, the troops that you deploy internally are troops that are then not available to deploy outside of the country, and they're troops that you can't put in a training cycle. Um, And so that's meant that other members of the alliance have had to pick up uh, more uh, more in terms of regional and international security. I think the other lesson for us to ask ourselves is, why? how did France get itself into this situation? In Canada, we always, I think, have this rather blasé attitude that, um, you know, we can just take take our peaceable kingdom for granted. And I think, um, you know, 30 years ago, that's probably what a lot of French people would have said themselves. Um, And so I think the question we can ask ourselves is, what is it that is going right in Canada? And what is it that we need to continue to do? And also, what is it that we need to to do differently in order to ensure that in a quarter century, we don't end up looking back on our own country um, and wonder what it is that that happened to have us uh, to contend with a heightened wave of political violence persistent the way France has had to. Yeah, look at the entire French military is compromised because of their internal security uh, measures, as you said. And France, uh, as you pointed out to me again in our correspondence, reportedly has over 12,000 people on its dossier of uh, people that the intelligence services have assessed as being um, maybe geared toward extreme violence. That's a big number. So this is the famous fichier S, um, which is all the folks who French intelligence has categorized as uh, at a dangerous level of sympathizing with violent extremism. Um, and then uh, within that is a subcategory of about 6,000 people who are considered at very high risk of, violent, uh, uh, of, of extremist violence. So that is to say moving from thought to action. And of course, that's way too many people to be able to watch uh, with the security complement that France has. Uh, despite its already uh, relatively high tolerance for surveillance and some Internet censorship. Um, and add on top of that attacks like in Nice, where it appears the individual was not on the uh, radar of intelligence services. Um, and you can see the constant struggle, the daily struggle that French criminal and security intelligence has trying to figure out how do we optimize the allocation of our assets um, in order to... Uh, maintain public safety to the best of uh, to the best of their ability. Yeah. So I think France is a good example of uh, uh, how you can quickly run up uh, against uh, the limits of what your security forces can do and what the state can provide mm-hmm. in terms of public safety and security um, when you start confronting 
um, the persistent level of uh, challenge to um, uh, to the, the fundamental violation of the social contract in a democracy where we've all agreed that violence should never be a means to political ends. We value very deeply our right to freedom of expression in Canada, constitutionally enshrined. The Supreme Court has added that, uh, you know, you may not include hate speech. And the Prime Minister recently was talking about uh, freedom of expression and said there are limits to it. So it takes us to what the teacher was doing in France. Is there a line, a definable line, between freedom of expression and causing um, unrest and upheaval? Or should it matter? Should we all just be allowed to say what is on our minds and have the audience, whoever hears it, deal with it as they need to without resorting to violence? So I think that's a fantastic question, and I think that's really the question that the circumstances in France beg, and I think that's widely misinterpreted. So we need to distinguish between freedom of speech and freedom of expression. Freedom of speech is what the U.S. has, and that really goes back to uh, uh, over 200 years into sort of a context where you live on a quasi-authoritarian monarchical system and where Americans said we want to be able to protect our ability to say things that might also sort of go against the grain of what the king or so of the day wants. What we have in the rest of the Western world really comes out of the Holocaust and out of World War II and the sense of that um, we need to protect certain groups against targeted, um, not just targeted offense, but in particular against incitement. So against having violence perpetrated uh, against them and having them, them scapegoated as a, particular, uh, as a particular community. And so freedom of expression means that there are limits on the speech that you can actually, um, that you can employ. And so that's then what justifies hate speech. But of course, what was happening in France in the case of that teacher was not hate speech. And without going through all the details, the teacher took a number of reported precautions um, to try to ensure that, uh, that students would not, be, uh, would not be offended. And so I think the challenge that we have now, in particular in some countries in the non-Western world that are calling for boycotts against France and so forth, is that, of course, we do have premises of uh, hate speech and of international right. law and the UN system in order to sanction countries that engage fundamentally in violations of what we've agreed to are acceptable norms. But these are norms that we in, in the West believe are fundamental to a free, fair, and democratic society. And so to have other countries editorialize and calling for sanctions against France essentially means that they are extorting France and trying to compromise on what makes up one of their and also ours fundamental values um, of Western society. And I think this is very dangerous because if France would give in, it would essentially mean that it would be open to having its sovereignty curtailed uh, by other countries that, uh, that willfully, simply because they disagree with France, um, are trying to essentially extort it. And so this is why it's so important also for Canada to stand with France and to make it clear that not just are we defending freedom of expression, we also need to defend the Western community against other communities and against other countries that would want to have us curtail our values simply because uh, it offends uh, their particular perception of the world. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.